It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. This is Thursday's edition. Thanks for being with us. I'm Paul Dottino. He's Super Bowl champion putter Jeff Fiegel's. We're going to be with you for the next hour, and you can dial us up at 973-667-1960, 973-667-1960. You can also find us on Twitter, if you'd like, at hashtag GiantsChat. That's hashtag GiantsChat. And as a reminder, you can find an archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcasts. Hello, Mr. Fiegels. How are you today? Hello, Paul Dottino. I'm excited to be on here today. We've got some good stuff. How are we you? We do, and we are pumped. And I, I wanted to get that emotion right out of the get-go because, folks, we are really excited for today's guest. We're going to have him on in just a couple of moments. It will be Bruce Lombard, who is in charge of Lombard MMA out in State College, Pennsylvania. This is a gentleman who has been working with both Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez, two of the Giants' edge rushers in the mix on the depth chart this year, two guys coming off of significant injuries, hoping to make an impact during the 2021 season. Carter, remember, came off of the Achilles, uh, torn Achilles. Zimenez coming off a nasty shoulder injury. And right now we have Bruce on the phone. Bruce, good morning. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. How are things? He's a great Paul and Jeff. How's things going? Good. good Thank you for having for coming on for a little bit of time with us today. We definitely appreciate uh, you you taking some time. And Bruce, I guess the the first thing that that I'd like to ask you, and you know, people talk all the time about cross training and MMA and and the NFL. Uh, It seems now that football and and martial arts and, and, and mixed martial arts and fighting and hand fighting and kickboxing. These things seem to be crossing over a lot more in recent years than they used to. Could could you tell me uh, what is the evolution of how this is kind of blending together and how football players are really embracing the concept? Yeah, well, I've I've had this MMAFX program for about eight years, and about eight years ago, a couple of football coaches came to me and they were training with me in boxing and some some other kickboxing they're like wow so many of these techniques uh, are so similar to especially with pass rushing uh or even run stopping in the trenches that you know once you put a program together that can kind of be a great cross training for football athletes uh so i kind of put it together and and uh ran with it and thankfully i live across the street from penn state university so i i kind of kept stalking penn state coaches at the time and and eventually they gave me a chance, and at that time this, there's a strength coach named Craig Fitzgerald, who actually is the New York Giants strength straight mm-hmm. coach right now. Uh, and he was with the Bill O'Brien uh, staff back then, and they gave me a chance. We started working together and working with the players and some of the coaches on the, on the program. Uh, and then when they left to the Houston Texans, uh, Coach Chaos, Sean Spence, the D-line coach now at, with the Giants, he then came in with the Franklin uh, staff and we developed a relationship and he's a big advocate of hand fighting uh, so we continued the relationship and now I've traveled around the country and worked with NFL guys uh, working this, this programmer system and I look at it more of some athletes, football athletes will do it more of a, an alternative conditioning workout in the off season uh, but it's way more than that uh, boxing techniques, wrestling techniques uh, can transfer over to the football field, especially for the guys in the trenches, pass rushers, O-linemen, um, so well. I'm surprised more guys don't do it. Uh, and then the program also has a traditional art called Wing Chun. Uh, if you actually watch any old Bruce Lee movies, a lot of the hands, um, mobilization, hand fighting that he does in those movies, that comes from an art of Wing Chun along with some boxing as well. Uh, so I look at this. Uh, cross training is more a lot of these motions and techniques, uh, especially with the hands, uh, cross right over out of the football field, and then you add the conditioning element to it. And I, you know, sometimes I'm surprised that more guys aren't aren't exploring this in their off seasons and training. 
Um, Bruce, again, thank you for joining us. Um, so over the three decades of uh, football that I played in the National Football League, I, there, there was always that element of cross-training, trying to do something that other guys aren't and get, kind of get a I, well, a leg up, if you will, um, on ty- mm-hmm. types of trainings. Um, I'm curious to see, you know, from the standpoint of the guys that you work with, the offensive linemen to me seem to be uh, an area where that would help them defend some of the things that you're teaching these defensive linemen and edge rushers. Do you work with a lot of offensive linemen, or specifically is it more from the defensive side of the football? Yeah, we do um, a lot of work with the offensive linemen. Uh, primarily that is we just train boxing. It's straight-up boxing. Some guys will do kickboxing. Uh-huh. Uh, kickboxing is more for we're, we're looking at uh, flexibility. Uh, mm-hmm. We even – kind of mentioned uh, injury prevention with lateral movement and the, and the hip flexors. And so we do kickboxing, but it's primarily boxing. And then we'll do a little bit of the, the hand fighting I do with, with uh, defensive linemen, linebackers. We also do the hand fighting with wide receivers. Uh, but the offensive linemen, yeah, it's, it's primarily the boxing uh, that we teach them the sport of boxing, how to unlock their hips, how to learn how to explode more on their punches, uh, timing, precision, Quickness and speed, we do a lot of hand speed drills through boxing training uh, and footwork. So we always look with the offensive linemen, you know, they're 300-pound guys. We want them to have footwork and light on their feet like they're 140-pound Floyd Mayweathers. Uh, So there's a lot of those, again, training technical aspects of boxing that translate right to an offensive lineman and what he's trying to do. Uh, And like you just uh, mentioned, yeah, this is about doing the little things. We have a model with this program, Gain an Edge. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's lifting weights. Everybody's doing footwork drills and agility drills with their feet and speed drills. Uh, but who's working their hands? Uh, mm-hmm. Especially with pass rushers, you know, it's the eye, hands, and feet. And so we're really focusing on the, the hands. And then also this program focuses on their eyes, peripheral vision, uh, focus. Uh, so it's, it's valuable in a couple of different aspects as far as the, the, the eye, hand, foot training. Now, for those of you listening, and when you get a chance to, to get to your computer and you look up Bruce on Twitter, it's at Lombard MMA, and he's already posting some videos where he's working with O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter. Now, specifically, Bruce, what I'm seeing on, on these videos with these two Giants players is that you're slowly jabbing with lefts and rights, and you're having them basically, it looks like, just defend your jabs mm-hmm. with, with that hand fighting that we're talking about. Could you specifically talk about those videos that you have up on the site so people can understand what the benefit is to what you're doing with those? Yep. Well, first, so, so I'm not a football D-line coach or linebacker coach or wide receiver offense line coach. Uh, no pass rush expert by any means. But So what I'm trying to do is to just make their hands, uh, their timing better, their precision better, uh, work their non-dominant hand, work their eye-hand coordination. Uh, so with that, then that will translate. Well, obviously, it's to keep hands off of you. Uh, again, it comes from martial arts training where the, the Wing Chun is to you know, kind of immobilize, keep hands off of you. Uh, the boxing is about the timing, the speed, the rhythm. Uh, so I'm actually trying to teach them how to dance their hands kind of. And, and then with that, the timing, the precision, developing a little bit more hand speed, that helps them to become more explosive and more violent with their hands. So then that will help them with pass rushers in particular with their pass rush moves. Uh, so it's kind of like the prerequisite uh, to help develop their hand speed and development, but then it's going to help them with their their stab, their long arms, their bull rushes, their swims, rips, whatever it might be, clubs. Uh, so that's the type of trade. We're trying to improve their athleticism so then it will help the uh, accelerate and make their pass rush moves more proficient and more uh, explosive and ballistic. Uh, so that's the type of training, and I try to convey that to people. Is just I'm trying to prove them athletically, just like when they do footwork or with their strength, uh, that then they can utilize that in their particular craft. And in this case, for for Zone X is for their their pass rush ability. Uh, so that that's kind of what we focus on. And then those, the, the, some of the videos you see are, are really baseline uh, drills. And then as they progress through the program, we get in a little bit more articulate kind of movements to uh, either get, keep hands from getting on them or if hands do get on them, how to clear those hands. 
I'm going to ask a follow-up here, Jeff, just before you get back in Mm -hmm. here. Bruce, you mentioned in your your posting of of just the other day, you said Zimenez, only a few hours of work in, and his hand's already gone from 55 to 90 miles per hour. I mean, that sounds to me like an incredible jump. Is that normal? And, and, And can somebody actually double their hand speed by going through this training? Yeah, well, that, you know, I, that was a little bit of an overdramatic tweet, but it, okay. uh, trying to get some attention to, I, I, I was just, when I tweeted that, it was shortly after we trained, and I was just so impressed. I mean, he'd only been, we've been training like three, four hours, and usually this training takes a while. Obviously, these X and, and Zoe and a lot of other guys are gifted athletes, um, so they already have natural speed or an explosion, but uh, we're just trying to make it even more articulate, so if we can limit the motion, and we have a thing called no wasted motion, and the less motion they have, the less margin of error, then that's going to make it perception, not even a perception, it's reality, they're going to be even quicker. Uh, so that's what we're trying to get to. So when he started, like when any athlete, when we start this training, they've never, most of them never done boxing or any kind of martial arts, wrestling, so it's new to them. So at first, they're very raw. Uh, they look like they've never done anything with their hands. Uh, but then, you know, an hour or two in, they start to get it. Uh, and then with X, he he got it pretty quick, and again, obviously his hands are already quick. Uh, but we just, I think, accelerated that. Uh, but for him to pull off that drill in a short amount of time that we trained uh, was just really impressive to me. So that's why I got all excited and, and put 55 to 90 or whatever I put. But it was just kind of the, to really kind of explain that, wow, this guy's getting it quick, and I'm really excited to see where he takes it you know, as we continue to train hours down the road, uh, because sky's the limit for him, that's for sure. But, but yeah, his hands are just really quick, and then all we're doing now is just tightening them up. Bruce, you, you mentioned that uh, this has been eight years in the making, and I'm sure that uh, over those eight years you've seen a tremendous um, uh, what would I say, improvement, if you will, as far as uh, the techniques that these guys develop. I'm curious to see, like, when you were starting and developing this, uh, I guess, this this training uh, regimen, how much did you work with uh, coaches and trying to develop, you know, some things? Because I know that the, when you drive the two together, you got to find a happy medium that what's going to work and what's not, not going to work, in particular to the positions that you're coaching. That's the first question. The second one is, is that, you know, I'm sure in eight years, from when you started this to now, this this off season, and when you're working with the players, you mentioned about athleticism. Some of these guys coming out of college, they are just absolutely ridiculously talented in as far as athletes. What have you seen as far as from day one to here, the improvement, and how much have you actually worked with those other coaches in developing some of the techniques with the uh, stuff that you do? Okay. Yeah, so I started out with this program, getting the idea, then putting some stuff together, again, taking these techniques, uh, my dad was a football coach, so I, I have ideas of that, and then I have ideas of training athletes and how to improve them. Uh, so I started out with high school kids, uh, worked with some high school coaches, uh, and then, of course, being across from Penn State helped for me to get engaged with you know a higher level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we worked with, primarily with college athletes at Penn State. Uh, and then as some of those guys went on to the NFL, they continued to train. Uh, there was a guy I initially started with at Penn State. Uh, his name's Anthony Zettel. Uh, and he trained with me for a, two full off seasons, and he was already a freakish athlete. Uh, but again, all we were doing is just trying to take that athleticism they already have, and just kind of mold it a little bit tighter, kind of help that machine tighten that machine up, uh, so he could take to the limit um, his athletic ability, his hand speed he already had, and we're just going to take it to another level. Uh, and then it's just everything's just about split seconds and inches, especially at a higher level. So if we can kind of tighten that up so he's a little bit quicker to that, that point and his accuracy is a little bit better, uh, then that's where we see the in, in improvement. And uh, so over the years as we've been doing this, I work with coaches. Sometimes it's hard for coaches when I go places uh, and I train the coaches to train the guys. It's, it's harder for them to pick it up. It's hard to teach. Uh, you have to have a little bit of a martial arts or boxing background. But once you got, I always say it's through repetition. So Zoe, for example, he's been training with me for six, seven weeks. And through that repetition, everything just gets tighter and tighter uh, where it becomes natural. So we're hoping 
uh, or the goal is, and, and we see it, and, you know, they don't have to think about anything. They just react. Their hands just react, whether they're tired, uh, whether it's the fourth quarter, whether their head's rocked a little bit. Uh, we want to make all these motions natural to them, and we do that through repetition, which takes time, just like anything else athletically. So I well, hope that answered the questions. Sure. Uh, yeah, thank you. Well, Bruce, uh, we, we've talked a lot about the hand speed factor, but I wonder how much of this is also hand-eye coordination in terms of just mm-hmm. having better vision and instinctiveness and also conditioning and stamina. I mean, i I got to think that this is all part of the package, right? Yep. Well, and that's actually interesting to say that. I mean, this was set up primarily for football players. But believe it or not, I do this with some hockey players, some tennis players. Uh, for that eye-hand coordination. And then there's some footwork as well. It's not the main focus, but we do do footwork drills, especially football guys moving forward. We start out with lateral motion just to kind of get the feel of it. And then we start moving forward. As they're pressing forward, that's what we're trying to look for. So there is a footwork element to eye-hand foot coordination to it. Um, But, yeah, it's great eye-hand coordination drilling. uh, And through the repetition, again, we're going to improve that accelerate it and um and take them to the another level what was the second part of that heck with that question as far as well i uh, i have to believe that from from a, a stamina and energy perspective oh, yeah. as well i mean if you're putting these guys you know through some some heavy duty drills that yep. that's also going to be part of what it is that they're looking to improve oh it definitely is and we so there's a couple of things with that. It's the cardiovascular endurance. So once we they learn the drills and we can start to accelerate to a, a kind of a, a intermediate level and then to advanced level, lots of conditioning, uh, cardiovascular wise, because we're doing drills, where we're moving, the feet are moving, the hands are moving. Uh, so it takes a lot of energy. And then we talk about muscular endurance. So these guys are all used to lifting heavy weight, 400 pounds, and all this with their benches and so forth. But so what we're trying to develop is also what we call boxing shoulders. So as you see with boxers on TV, they can go 12 rounds of their hands up and, and stress on those shoulders, and it's almost like nothing to them. So that's what we're trying to do. So take that heavy lifting and then add these kind of boxing shoulders, as we call it, this muscular endurance in their shoulders. Uh, so between the cardiovascular endurance they get from it and the muscular endurance they get from it, it's a different kind of training, different kind of conditioning, uh, and there's another benefit to this type of training. So any boxing training, that's why I tell people, any athlete, whatever your sport is, if you can get some boxing cross training in, it's going to benefit you uh, with muscular cardiovascular endurance, hand speed, hand-eye coordination, footwork. Uh, it all comes with it. It's a, such a great sport. I say in boxing, if you don't have all these elements, cardiovascular endurance, muscular endurance, technical development, then this sport is pretty unforgiving. If, if you're not ready in boxing, sport of boxing, then you get hurt. So uh, there's no other sport where all these things are so important, and that's why it's great cross-training uh, for any athlete, but in particular here, specifically the, the football athletes. Uh, Bruce, last one for me. I just want to um, ask you a little bit about, you know, the game of football, especially from a uh, defensive end or, a, you know, a guy, an edge rusher, interior guys, all about leverage. What type of things do you do to help these guys increase their leverage on another player? Is there things that you can do with their footwork as far as, you know, things like that? Yep. So we, the primary emphasis of the program is keep those hands off of you, uh, working at hand speed, being able to see things, pick things up, it's reactionary drilling, mm-hmm. uh, so you know uh, it's just real important to uh, we, again we talk about the eye focus peripheral vision. Uh, so keep if we can keep those hands off you, then that's ideal. Obviously, that's not going to happen every time. Uh, but we so we'll do a little bit of wrestling. So with wrestling, it's more of a pull push kind of mm-hmm. uh, sport. Uh, so we work a lot of you know catching hands. We work drags, arm drags, different types of arm drags. Uh, so And that's where we kind of get into the leverage a little bit. Uh, now, sometimes when we do those drills, they're much bigger than me, so maybe they don't feel the ideal leverage. But, but we work some wrestling uh, to work. So boxing is more of that hand speed, timing, reactionary, seeing things quicker than the, the opponent. Mm-hmm. And then the wrestling gets into more of our body leverage, um, clearing arms if they're on us, pull, push kind of movements. Uh, so that's that's where that aspect comes in as far as cross training with the wrestling for for body leverage. Uh, and I would guys. imagine um, 
you know, a lot of these guys, the football players, they, they were wrestlers, really good wrestlers. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that that can actually come into, you know, have an advantage of it. The, the, the follow-up to that is that, you know, as we watch these guys and, and work out and they go one-on-one pass rush against offensive line, against defensive line, you know, it's constant repetitions. I'm wondering that um, the vision that you have to have, a kind of a little bit of anticipation as far as once you get into your training and you've been able to do enough of this uh, repetitions at certain things, that all of a sudden it's like a almost like a, a sixth sense where you kind of understand this person's going to be coming with me at this move and I, now I'm going to combat it with the, some of the things that I've used and I've been trained to do. I'm, I'm guessing yeah. that that's probably kind of where you get to, right? Yep, and that's all about keeping your hands tight, your elbows tight, uh, and relaxing your eyes. A lot of times, these guys first start with me. Their their hands are all tight, uh, and their eyes are wide open, and they're just you know because they're learning something new. But eventually, their hands relax, their shoulders relax, their eyes relax. But that still means they can still be violent because they're so relaxed and their timing's so good. And I, I like to use an analogy a lot with these guys, and I'll use it here that if, if you're a boxing fan, even if you're not, everybody knows Floyd Mayweather, and he's he's in his forties, uh, you know two or three years ago when he was still fighting more consistently or five years ago. And he's fighting guys in their 20s. So he's not faster. He's not stronger than them. They're 20 years younger than him uh, and more athletic at that point probably too. But his timing, his recognition, his, his eyes, his anticipation, his reaction skills, uh, his precision is so good that he can whip guys 20 years younger than him that are faster, probably more explosive, stronger, And that's kind of what we're doing here through repetition. We're going to make these guys see things quicker. Their hands are going to be tighter than their opponent. Their their elbows are going to be tighter. Um, Their anticipation will be better. Their timing's better. Their recognition, their vision. Um, And that's what we're doing. We're trying to do all those little things uh, that their opponents probably aren't doing or more than likely aren't doing. So all those little fine things we're going to add to their already natural gifts of speed and strength um, and then they're going to put that with their craft, their knowledge of the, the pass rush game or, or getting off the line as a receiver or whatever it might be. Um, so I'm just that person kind of in the mix that does this little thing here that's going to help, you know, uh, hopefully improve them. And we always say it's not like they're going to have 40 sacks a game, uh, but if they have just two or three plays where their hands work for them over their opponent, then that's a couple tackles for a loss, a couple sure. sacks, and that's a game win or it's a million-dollar contract or it's a mm-hmm. scholarship or it's a chance to get on the field. So that's, that's what we're looking uh, with, with these athletes. Or, or actually, Bruce, in Jeff's case, because he was a punter, he loves to see his gunners get downfield. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> they need to use their hands well, to get away from those good guys. Good way to clear, yeah. Good way to get downfield. It's, and that's why it's, this isn't just for pass rush. Sure, and, receivers. And the guys in the trenches. Yeah, receivers. We work a lot of receivers, even tight ends. Um, so, yeah, that's not that's not something that we, we kind of don't don't look at. So we worked with, you know, Chris Godwin for the Buccaneers we've trained. Um uh, Juwan Johnson, all, all these Penn State guys. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's just important for them as well to have that, that coordination get being able to get off the line. Okay, sure. Bruce, final question for me, then we'll let you go. You've been very generous with your time, and we appreciate it. Let's go back to O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter, again, the two Giants edge rushers that you worked with during this past off season. And this may be a hard question to answer, or maybe it's a lot easier than I think it is. Of the different things that you try to train them in and coach them up in, which area did each one of those two guys show the biggest improvement in? And if you could, uh, for the guy who's watching from the stands or watching on television, is there a telltale sign that they'll be able to see from watching the game that they'll go, hmm, you know what? I think he was working with an MMA guy, and, and that's something that, that, you know, he's doing now, and look at that. I, I know what that guy was talking about. Yep. Well, th- this type of training is so articulate. Uh, like, sometimes we'll say you, you can sit there and watch a, a, a boxing match from a 1,000 feet away, and you'll still be able to see the motions and figure out what's going on. But we're taking certain boxing techniques, certain wrestling techniques, and certain techniques from this traditional art Wing Chun that are very articulate. You really, you got to train it and you got to see it up front. And it's, it's about inches and, and, you know, split seconds. So it's, it's kind of hard to see. Okay. Um, I but figured know, as much. Yeah, but they'll know, uh, people will know if the hands are working for them if they, uh, if they end up with 10-plus sacks. 
I won't know that. I won't know that. Um, part of that hand training was part of the puzzle uh, for them to, you know, help the Giants win games and 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 increase that sack total or tackle loss or just even disrupting things. Uh, so that's where we'll see the results. But it's, it's such an articulate kind of training that. Um, unless you've trained in it before, or you're a boxer or some kind of mark, then, then maybe you could kind of see all those elements. Right. Uh, and then with both Zoe and Axe, again, they came from no previous martial arts, boxing, wrestling background at all. So they were as raw as could be, other than they're, you know, freakishly great athletes. Um, so it was almost like starting a brand new sport, a brand new type of training. So they came from nothing. And then the more they train, obviously with, with Zoe, we've been training for about three months, uh, about 30 hours or so we've been together. Um, you can start to – I can see uh, – I wish I had a video from day one, but I never want to embarrass the guys. <laughs> Not that they'd be embarrassed, uh, but to see a video from day one to where they are at, you know, day three or, or day 10 or whatever, um, then it's, it's really noticeable. But, uh, but there definitely has a, been improvement with their hand-eye coordination even at the athletic level that they're at. And really it comes from because we've tightened everything up, made their timing and precision better, and then that gives the visual perception of their hands are even quicker. Uh, and it's not just a visual perception, it's reality. It's too, but So we're just sorting all the motions up so it makes them a little bit quicker and more explosive. We That's... will be looking for Carter and Jimenez to improve their statistical performances this year, and uh, hopefully uh, that will come to fruition, and the Giants will be thrilled, and those two players will I be able so to too. thank Bruce Lombard of Lombard MMA in State College, Pennsylvania. You can reach him at Lombard MMA on Twitter. And, Bruce, we thank you so much for your time today. It was a real education for us because certainly Jeff and I, two old-timers, uh, we were not very much attuned to these training techniques, uh, but it's certainly been an interesting and fun conversation. Well, thanks, Sean Jeff, for having me. Love your show. Thank and you. thanks for the opportunity to share this stuff. You're thanks welcome, so much, Bruce. Bruce. All the best to you. To you. Okay. Stay well. Take care, guys. Go Giants. So, go. Uh, Jeff, uh, you know, I-, I can only say this. The depth chart and competition at edge rusher on mm-hmm. the Giants roster this yeah. year is going to be hot and heavy. Yep. And if Zimenez and Carter, who both showed flashes earlier in their careers, and I, and I, I use that term very loosely because they're still young veterans. Yeah, sure. If they can take a jump to the next level, and if any of this MMM training can help them do it, my goodness, Mm-hmm. The Giants are going to be extremely pleased. Yeah, and listen, I, I, I have a lot of experience in this in this arena. It's not MMA, okay? I'm just telling you, it, you don't play as long as I did without doing things that these guys are doing. Right. It, it's all about improvement, and I know that it's like a broken record. We hear it all the time from players and coaches and that, but it's the truth because there comes a point in time, Paul, where you're talking about two guys here that, like you said, they're relatively young. However, there is a fork in the road here. You're either going to take that road to success and keep moving on in your career, or it's going to run out on you on the, on the other one. So you've got to start to kind of do things that outside the box. And, and I feel like this MMA stuff with, has just kind of, you know, it's been around a long time, but it's like now it's so popular with mixing in and cross-training um, that it that it's working for these guys, and if you I mean if you don't mind, I, I got a quick a quick story, and it's not really this is how how I did things as I went through my career. Okay, so back when I was in Arizona, so this is now into my this would have been my seventh and eighth and ninth year in the league. Um, this is when I realized that okay, I got to change something, I got to get better. I can kind of sustain for this a little while, but I if I'm going to get to that next level, I need to do things. So. Sports psychologist, another thing that you have to start working the mind. The mind's a muscle, right? you got to really build your mind and your mental game of it. So that was one of the things. Uh, I started working with a guy by the name of Mac Newton, who was a Taekwondo, like, ninth-degree black belt. Okay, and what we were, he and he kind of developed a system for the NFL players. It was not a, a Taekwondo session where I was kicking and breaking uh, cinder blocks and things like that. It was all about stretching. It was about mindset and kind of getting through the tough times of, of working out and kind of working on your mental game. We had like 20 guys there, old guys, 
Paul, did you recognize like Neil Lomax and and Roy Green and guys like that back mm. in the days? You know, so but and Roy Green could run, <laughs> and he could. But here's the thing, and the the common denominator with all that is all those guys were old guys. They played a long time in the NFL, right? And so they were trying to get to do these things to extend their careers. My point is, is that. I feel like Carter and, and, and X-Men, these are guys that they realize, okay, I want to do something to, to get to that next level. And I commend them for doing this because this is what you have to do as an NFL player. You've got to be able to do things that the other person isn't. And I always used to say to myself, there's nobody that's working harder than me right now. That was the key for me for my success. And whether it was lifting or running or out there pounding footballs or doing whatever, I always was saying to myself, I got to be working harder than any of the other 31 guys out there. And so for these young guys to be doing this, it's, it's awesome. I love to, I could talk all day about this stuff um, because it's so, so important. And I'm sure that the organizations, you know, they have to be careful. Um, and, you know, a lot of times we would run these things by the strength coaches and just make sure that it's okay that we're doing these types of things and they would give the approval. Sometimes they would say, nah, you know, I kind of maybe stay away from that, but some guys would do it. And, um, but this is good because I think that, you know, Bruce has a, some experience with some coaches that are on the staff here. Um, and that's a good thing that he can, you know, uh, show some of these other players that, that he's working with. So that's a good thing. And I'm proud of those guys for doing that. Well, he mentioned coach chaos. From, Coach from Chaos and, and, and Fitz, yeah, I mean, and it, I mean, and look, we know what Sean Spencer is. He is a just a bundle of energy. He's a go-get'em guy, a proactive guy, and a guy who is going to maximize everything he can to get it out of you. Yeah. So you know the fact that that he is is tied to this whole situation. That that's a good sign for me. I, yeah. I I have to believe that you know without getting into any assumptions. It just stands to reason that between Coach Fitz and Coach Spencer, that these two young players were probably looking for a way to enhance their skills and either asked about it or was suggested uh, that they try sure. it. Uh, it just seems to reason, right? Yeah. And so now we will see, you know, we, we've seen Carter before get four sacks a couple of times in his career. We've seen Zimenez come up with four sacks as a rookie. Can these guys bring those numbers up to eight, nine, ten? Is that possible? I don't know, but I know this. Carter's going into his fourth year, mm-hmm. and his third year was destroyed because of the Achilles injury. Just so this has got well, to too. be his breakout year. Yeah. This has got to be it now. And yeah. and obviously, Zimenez, he's only entering his third season. But again, Hill. the third season is usually the year you look for the breakout. So well, it's time for these guys. And, and if this is the thing that's going to help push him over the hump, I'm all for it. I think it will. I mean – Barring these guys, they got to stay healthy, you know, and if they can get through their injuries, um, you know, the, the rehab portion of it and come back healthy, this cannot hurt them. You understand that this is getting better at their craft and um, and that's what they have to do. And, and like you said earlier, Paul, that linebacker room or outside, you know, we're talking about outside. Right? Deep, that is a deep, deep room. There's a lot of people in there. So what do you got to mm-hmm. do? You got to one up the other guy. You got to find something that I can compete with. Now, one thing that these two guys have on the the young guys is they they have experience. They've been in the league for a few years, and so that's going to help them. Um, but it's just it's important that they uh, continue to do things down the road that that'll help them get a lot better. So um, that's that's exciting. And you know, there's a guy that got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. It came from Penn State. I'm sure we'll probably will see some of his moves this year, too. <laughs> Micah Parsons is a guy that probably worked with uh, Bruce over at Penn State for a few years. Yeah, understood, for sure. <laughs> um, 973-667-1960 is our phone number, 973-667-1960. Folks, uh, limited Giants season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. And don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full season locations are available. Replace a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. 
Once again, our phone number, if you'd like to join us, we're here to the top of the hour, 973-667-1960. We go back to the phone lines, and Bash from Ohio is first up on the show. Hello. Hey, how we doing, Paul? How we doing? Um, good to talk to you. Good, Bash. How are you? I'm doing good. How we doing, fellas? I love the interview with um, Bruce and everything. Just imagine, fellas, if Lonzo and Zimenez can have a, break, a breakout season on top of Aziz being drafted this year, we can have a scary ass rusher in the near future as far as the next couple of years as far as those three guys. If they can have breakouts, those two guys, and Aziz coming in this year, I like that. But I was calling in as far as what y'all talking about the past two days as far as the the rankings of the positions within the division. And I liked everything all four of y'all said as far as y'all two, John and Lance, were all the positions. I agree with all of it. But I had a um, a different perspective on a quarterback position. Because I knew y'all talked about as far as death and not just the starters, like y'all said, with the running backs and other positions. So I had a different take on the quarterback position just with Dak, Daniel, Ryan, and... Jalen Hurst, as far as the depth of it, that'll be opposite as far as the rankings, where the Eagles will be first, and so backwards in, in Washington, then Giants and Cowboys. And my second take on that is with the backups behind these starting quarterbacks, all four of those starters went down, the backups behind them. And with Philly having Joe Flacco and Jess Sonny Nick Mullins, have both having starter experience, and Washington having Tyler Hackney and Cal Allen, I believe his name was, mm-hmm. the quarterback. And then the Giants, we have Glennon, Mike Glennon. But who's the backup to deck as far as that? So that's my take as far as the quarterback rooms as far as that. I know the starters, they have deck being the best out of the four quarterbacks with the four teams. But as far as depth behind each team and the backups to each quarterback, I feel like Philly has the best backups and then Washington, then the Giants. And Cowboys, as far as I'm not sure who Dex back up. Well, it's, Cooper, it's Cooper Rush. Mm-hmm. Cooper Rush, who had had a cup of coffee with the Giants and then went back to Dallas. Exactly. So as he, far he's as their backup. My, okay. Well, with that, as far as that was my take, as far as that, I wanted to get y'all thoughts on that. And I had one more thing after that. Go, Go ahead. ahead. They also have Garrett Gilbert, oh, okay. right, Paul? I think he was their backup last year. Well, they have Gilbert now, but I, I, I'm guessing that Cooper Rush would probably be number two. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm not sure. You know, but I look, let those two guys battle it out. I think if you're a Cowboys fan, you don't want either one of them getting into a game. I think we saw last year what happens when that happens, didn't we? <laughs> That's called trades. And, and Andy Dalton <laughs> is actually an outstanding backup. And he's gonna and he was announced as a starter in Chicago to start Correct. The, year, the other day, by the way. Hey, look, I told you guys this last year. Value in terms of production per dollar, Andy Dalton over Dak Prescott every day of the week. I'm sorry, but I feel that way when you consider the money that was spent. You've got to be kidding me. Well, we'll see I, what the Dalton, Cowboys record much better was value. Dak this year as opposed to Dalton last year. We'll see if what? you're right. Come on, Paul. Seriously? Go ahead. Right. Dollar per production, Jeff. All Prescott's right. make, was Prescott making five times, four times more than Dalton was making? Come on. Let's get real. Go ahead. Yeah, but my other thing I wanted to bring up as far as what um, Jeff and Paul, y'all was actually talking about last week as far as the tight ends with Cal and um, Ingram. And y'all talked about as far as they might implement a lot of more two-quarter, two tight end sets and three tight end sets that I think they, that uh, Jason Garrett did in the one game against Seattle. But I was saying as far as I want to talk about Sterling Shepard in particular as far as the two, the two tight end sets, that would mean it would be two, two wide receivers out. And that would be probably Galladay and Zary. But I want to ask about um, Sterling with his time being with the Giants. How much time did he play on a boundary compared to being in a slot as far as those two times with Paul, if you knew that? And is it be a better thing with Galladay and Shepard being on the outside in two, two um, tight end sets? Or would it be Galladay and Darius being out on the outside as far as the two boundary wide receivers? All right, Bash, we'll, we'll check into that and let you go. We appreciate the phone call, as always. Look, Shepard has played outside. He's played inside. It, it seems to me that Shepard is better off in the slot. And now the Giants have Tony, who mm-hmm. also is going to be, you know, the kind of guy who can play inside or outside. Uh, this may come out to just be matchups, Jeff. Yeah, it might, just, de- I, you know, it I, might depend on who you're playing on Sunday. You know? I it took the words out of my mouth. I, you know, I think that, you know, years ago you had your 
you're one, you're you're outside, you're inside, you're one, you're two. I mean, it, the game has changed so much as far as matchups and how they design plays and offenses. I, I mean, yeah, you you can you have to put them down on the chart on on your depth chart somehow, but that doesn't mean you have to use them that way. So I don't think that I don't think there's going to be a true one and two on the field consistently when you have the two tight end sets. I, it could be different matchups every week, and you know that this this team deals with a week-to-week basis as far as matchups. So one week it might be Kadarius Tony in the slot, and, and one week it might be uh, Sterling Shepard with, you know, with one other receiver out there. It's going to change. It, it'll, it will constantly change. I agree with you. Yeah, and I, and I think you know, the good news for the Giants is that when you look at that receiver room now, they actually have a little bit of everything. They've got the speed guy. they got mm-hmm. the quicks guy. they got the strong guy. they got the tall guy. I mean, they now have an assortment of, um, of talents and abilities that they can really, truly mix and match however they choose. Mm-hmm. And that's something they haven't had for a long time here, Jeff. Well, you know, they could even do an empty, empty backfield and have Kadarius Toney back in the, you know, off the line of scrimmage somewhere. You know, now you got three receivers out and a two tight end set. So there's just so many different, but you're right, Paul. And by the way, uh, I, I believe that the team has strengthened themselves as, in, as far as the red zone goes now. You've got some height, you've got some speed, you've got some variety there that you just mentioned that's going to help Daniel Jones in the red zone. Um, and, and along with uh, Saquon if he, if he's, when he comes back healthy. 973-667-1960 is our phone number. 973-667-1960. There was a tweet here that I did get the other day that I wanted to get to on today's program. And I didn't want to let that go too long before I got to it. And let me see if I can find well, while you're it. Here. Fa- while you're trying to find that, you know, we have we haven't talked a lot about Kyle Rudolph and, you know, him coming he's gonna he's gonna be coming back healthy soon too. You know, he just didn't mm-hmm. participate in a lot of the stuff this uh this off season just because of, of his rehab. So, you know, we're, uh, we're on the horizon for training camp and we'll be interested to see how he comes back and how they use him going forward. But he's going to be exciting to, to have around. I think that he's uh, going to bring a lot of leadership to that room. And there was a caller a few weeks ago that was asking us about his presence in that room because, you know, Evan Ingram is also a, a veteran, but he's not a veteran like Kyle Rudolph, who's been, well, I guess that he's now been, uh, Evan Ingram has been to the Pro Bowl, but my point is, is that I think that when you look at Kyle Rudolph and just the production he's had over his career, it's been pretty darn good. And I think that's a lot of things that, that Evan Ingram in that tight end room is going to learn from. Well, you know, when you get it makes better a difference. and you have better competition, uh, usually it helps down the line. Sure. Uh, one of the tweets I had was, was kind of funny, and this is the one that I did want to read to you. Uh, the NYCFC Bear, so I guess that's a soccer fan, which explains the intelligence behind the tweet, quite frankly. He says, trade Daniel Jones, Evan Ingram, Jabril Peppers, and a first-round pick in 2022 for Deshaun Watson. (laughs) The fact you even read that surprises me. I was, John, thank you. I was like, Paul, you spent all that time on that. Why did you, isn't there any other because I I wanted to laugh. (laughs) This this was a soccer fan who clearly knows a lot about soccer and not as much about American football. But I did want to read that. There was another one here that uh, came from Tim. What makes you think that they would want to do that anyways? Like not both teams, by the way. Like, you know, (laughs) like Uh, you said, yeah, I'll take Daniel Jones and all those other guys. And you can have Deshaun Watson who – Probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I don't think that's happening. Well, here's the other problem. I don't think anyone can do anything with Deshaun Watson until the off-the-field stuff is settled. That's right. right? Bingo. Yeah. So Bingo. that one's exactly. in limbo. Exactly. He is persona non grata right now. I don't think anybody <laughs> should want to touch him at the moment. Would they? Uh, would they Tim, be able to put him on non? Like, would they be able to put him knows, on Jeff? something? Who knows? Who knows? Right now, he is on the commissioner's. Commissioner. Um, that's the one I wanted. Reserve yeah. list. At the moment. List. What is it called, Paul? Yeah, it's the ineligible list. Yeah, so he is on that list currently, is my understanding. But who knows what's going to happen once the season starts? Well, and they're saying that I don't think there's going to be any sort of <clears> trial or anything until like December. So yeah, I so think it looks like just that's probably going to be where he sits for most of the year. And by the way, even if he wasn't, he didn't re- he didn't report the mandatory minicamp anyway. So who knows? Ridiculous concept. Anyway, you're right. I probably should not have wasted our time with that one. But Tim does have one. He says, uh, "Who do you think you guys uh, has the best chance?" of making their first Pro Bowl this season from the Giants. Uh, I did answer him, Blake Martinez, who I think, honestly, 
you could have made a real strong argument for him this past season. He didn't get in, hasn't gotten in, and after four straight seasons of 140-plus tackles, I think his reputation is as such now where if he puts up 140 tackles again and the Giants have a winning record, I think Blake Martinez is going to get a ticket. Hmm. How about one of the safeties? I was going to go there. Jabril, maybe. Um, Logan Ryan? Logan, I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. Or, you know what, maybe we find, maybe there's someone that just absolutely comes out of nowhere. Maybe one of these defensive, you know, edge rushers for the Giants. I, who knows, you know? Um, offensively, I, I, I mean, um, I don't know. I would probably go to the defensive side first, guys, rather than the offense. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, I mean, because Galladay's already made one. Yeah. So's Rudolph. And so is Ingram. You know, you could say Daniel Jones, maybe. I mean, That's I mean, a tough one. You, well, you could, though. I mean, yeah, it's, but not, you know it's this, not impossible. It's not impossible, but you know that that, that quarterback position is just its so popular. Yeah. You know? Unless he throws and it's 35 touchdowns. with guys who throw for big numbers. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily know that the Giants are going to need big numbers out of Jones to win games. And I look at the offensive line. That's another. That's just another one that once you make it two or three times, you're there forever. Um, right. You know, until somebody unseats you. So defensively, I I don't know. Dexter Lawrence, maybe a guy that you know could could get in there. Has a Dory Jackson made a sacks though? They love sack guys. Well, they have to have a defensive lineman. I mean, a, a, you know, a tackle somewhere. Someone's got to make it. I don't think a Dory's made a Pro Bowl yet, right? A Dory Jackson? No, I, I don't, don't think, think he so. has. No, don't think he has. That's possible. Yeah. Sure. Could be. Although, what are the odds that they would take two corners from the same team? Well, well I mean, really maybe, good. you know how it goes, Paul. One year, maybe Jackson gets a couple tip balls. He finishes with five picks. Bradbury only mm-hmm. gets one or two. Mm-hmm. And then just because of the numbers, he gets the votes. You know how it goes with that. Yeah, could be. Could be. You know, people love stats. Exactly. So. I'll give you another one here. Um, we've got somebody here talking about uh, Slayton. Uh, Matt Chinnery is his name. And he says he's going to be the Michael Gallup of the NYG. Just hope the offensive line can hold it together, having faith in the management. Uh, said he wanted to add Trey Turner to the offensive line. But uh, I don't see Slayton and Gallup being too similar. Why is that? Uh, I just don't. I just don't. I, I, I uh, No, I, 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 think, I think Gallup... Gallup is a little bit more of an elusive type guy. Slayton's a little bit more of a steady type guy, at least for me. I see I, them both as know. deep threats on the perimeter, so I, sure. I think they're kind of similar. Gallup, Gallup a little bit more of a deep threat than Slayton. I like Gallup. I think he's a heck of a football player. I, I, I mean, he's just very underrated, you know, and he's, and he's you know, behind those two guys over there. So, But he makes some plays. He's, he's dangerous. I have a couple of tweets here, Paul. You want me to go to him? Yeah, go. Why not? All right, Jeff, you'll laugh at this one. So Rick in Tampa, if you remember the call from last week. Oh, yeah. Lance okay. guy, he writes this... in, even a tougher drinking game. Chug a beer every time Lance gets defensive when countered by a caller. You might not survive the night. <laughs> There's no question. <laughs> <laughs> you better bring the keg in rather than the, the cans from bottles, right? Oh, my oh, goodness. My. I that was a funny one. That is hilarious. And I know that Paul doesn't have any idea what we're talking about there, but um, that was a funny call last week. I have an idea, but yeah, it was funny. not too specific. Okay. All right, I got one from Dave Gordon here. Uh, any idea when training camp ticks will go on sale and – Will there be any COVID restrictions? And I think our answer to that is we don't know and not yet. But hopefully there will obviously be probably – if they're going to have full stadiums, I imagine there's going to be a ton more access during training camp as well. I just tell fans to stay tuned for that. Yeah, sure. the, the thing you got to remember out there, folks, is that the NFL put out a uh, preseason and training camp protocol memo yesterday – Uh, during which time they said that training camps will be open, but there are a ton of rules and regulations that are involved, and the individual teams are going to have to digest them and figure out how they can comply and what what they're going to be able to do about it. So as far as the Giants are concerned, listen, the league just put that that memo out yesterday. Those things are going to have to be talked about, digested, gone through, and only then will the individual teams be able to move forward and figure out what they're going to do. So, in, in short, John's right. We don't have an answer for you. All right, here's an interesting one. Not really a question, but it's a comment, but I think it'll be fun for you guys to comment off of it. This from at GIFan1156. 
Just getting back to yesterday's show, this is from two days ago. Uh, Dave Gettleman has set up the Giants well to address replacing potential free agents coming up. Talking about Jabril Peppers or Evan Ingram, Will Hernandez, you know, even talking about, you know, Jones and Barkley a couple years down the line, given all the picks that he's picked up. And I think that's something, we, you know, we've talked about the importance of those extra picks next year. But with the guys coming up as free agents, not just next summer, but next spring, but the spring after that, having extra picks to replace those guys with younger, cheaper players, I think is a big-time benefit of acquiring those extra picks. Well, if you recall, John, it took about a millisecond for me to bring up that very topic once he made the deals to get the extra picks during the draft weekend. I mean, the first thing that hit my mind is, He's got to worry about the economics. Uh, Kevin Abrams, the Giants capologist and assistant general manager, had already said that he believes 2022 is going to be a challenging year for the Giants cap-wise. So the second that, that Dave acquired picks in next year's draft, the light went right on. It was like boom, bing, you know, this is what he's doing. He, he knows, he knows that he needs those extra picks to get young, inexpensive players who are going to have to, you know, eat up snaps for some of the veterans who are just not going to fit under the Giants cap. So, no, it, 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 it's a great point, but, you know, it's something that was incredibly obvious the second that Dave made those trades. Jeff? I agree. I agree. I, I think it's, you know, there's, there's a method to their madness, and I think when we – we heard the press conference that Dave Gettleman and uh, Kevin Abrams had a few months ago. That's that was surely on topic. You know the 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 salary cap going forward next year, and at that point in time, they had no idea what it was going to be. We kind of had some idea, but nothing in stone. Now it's come out, um, so we'll see how that number jives with how they set up this roster for next year. And then, of course, this conversation comes in big time next year. You know, well, so. No. Go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. And again, it's it's also you still have another year left, you know. So maybe next year, uh, draft time, you start com- you piling in some more picks, you know. So it'll see we'll see what happens. Or you just get some of these veterans. You got to take pay cuts. That's always a big thing, you know. Well, yeah. I, I, look, who knows what kind of negotiations are going to go on with a number of the guys who are making, you know, on the heavy side of the contract ledger. But for example, okay. We know the Giants have gotten younger at wide receiver, so they've already started to replenish that room. They did get younger at safety when they drafted the X-Man, McKinney, last year. So, you know, if Peppers or Ryan were to leave, they know they've got a young replacement there who could step into a two-safety set if they decided not to go with three. So that's true. They've got some young corners now if for some reason, you know, one of the veteran corners winds up going elsewhere. But the one spot that they didn't do, when they signed Kyle Rudolph, they signed a veteran who was on the backside to pair with Evan Ingram. So to be frank with you, that's the one position of of these that we kind of are grouping together that, that doesn't jive. It's the one that doesn't fit. Because, you know, if Ingram leaves... I don't know how many more snaps Kyle Rudolph has left in him that you could all of a sudden say, okay, they're set at tight end. Yeah. Well, it shows you how big of a year it is for for Ingram, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, he's he's going into his fifth-year option year, so, you know, this is it for him. He becomes a free agent unrestricted at the end of this season. Look, he, he played 16 last year. I mean, great for him that he was finally able to do so. Now he's just got to pick up his efficiency. Yeah, if he his, does that, hey, maybe maybe he winds up with a new contract here. Who, you know, who's to say? Well, listen, I, I think that we're seeing it more and more um, in the draft every single year that you're getting these these hybrid guys that they're they're very athletic. And you know, if 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 he does if he leaves, you know, maybe you got Kyle Rudolph a year left, and you you draft yourself another guy. You know, because there are plenty of them around. I mean, not every one of them is going to be like these guys, but there certainly, to me, seems that there's more and more available every year because I think this position is starting to morph itself into being a lot like what all these guys are now. Basketball players, they're very athletic. They're not, their hand in the ground is not all that important. It's more of how they can be athletic and get out in routes and catch balls and make plays. 
Well, the thing about Rudolph, though, and you know this from watching him play with the Vikings, Jeff, is that while, yes, there's no question, he's got terrific hands and he's got length and he's got the ability to get open. And and in a lot of ways, I said the other day, he's got a lot of the qualities that Jason Witten had with the the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. But the the thing about and and again, I don't mean to besmirch Witten because he was a hell of a blocker, too. But Kyle Rudolph, Kyle Rudolph is a blocker. I mean, he's a legit blocker on the edge. And I'd like to believe that the Giants, even though they're going to throw him some balls and some passes, I'd like to believe that Kyle Rudolph is going to help that power running game. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, Evan Ingram is your is your guy that's going to get the targets and the catches. And then, you know, Kyle Rudolph will get his share of it. But I, I think that he's he's brought in here to – to do some of the blocking and make some plays, but yeah, I, I, he's he's a, a and and you know what? Listen, he can also teach some of these guys how to play that position from your hand in the dirt perspective, you know. So that's a good thing. But I, I agree with you. I think I know. I don't know how many we haven't done our you know our predictions as far as the catches and all that kind of stuff. But I you know I, is it going to be how many uh, targets and catches will Kyle Rudolph get? below Evan Ingram will it be 50% less I don't you know I don't know we'll see what happens yeah I I don't know either how that breakdown's going to be but I do think we will see a lot of Rudolph Ingram will probably finish with more snaps by the end of the season I'm yeah. sure as long Especially as he's healthy. If he stays healthy yeah. yeah but but I I think Rudolph is going to see quite a bit of action oh I, I my gosh yeah I, I'm I, absolutely that, I mean he once he comes back and he's healthy and ready to go he's going to be a huge part of this offense in a sense of like being on the field a lot whether he catches balls or not but you know like you just said Paul you know knowing how to block and being in, involved in the run game um, and then some of the play action stuff that they might be able to you know dump it off to him so he'll make some plays and like you said he from a tight end perspective he he has glue on his hands. That guy does not drop many footballs. So it's no, nice to see. Terrific. He's absolutely terrific. All right. That'll do it for today's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Again, we are here every weekday live on Giants.com from 12 noon to 1 p.m. 973-667-1960 is our phone number. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Hey, Paul. He is, yes. Real quickly, uh, um, if uh, if you guys want, since we started five minutes late, I do have one more tweet if you want to touch on that before we say goodbye. Go ahead. Why not? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is from Tim. I think you asked a question before. Um, who are a few free agents you feel like the Giants could be interested in before training camp starts or during camp? Hmm. Hmm. You know, without knowing exactly what that pool looks like, it's awfully difficult to come up with a name right now. I mean, if you're going to ask position-wise, I wouldn't necessarily mind seeing another running back in that competition. Why not? I mean, they've got three veterans right now backing up Barkley. But if they signed another running back to compete, that probably would not surprise me. Uh, If they signed another... Oh, I don't know. They've got enough secondary. They've got enough linebackers. I don't think they're going to add any more defensive line. Uh, Offensive linemen, you know, they've already got a couple of veterans now to compete and and kind of, you know, fill in. Yeah, you know what, John? Maybe, maybe, might they they look for another running back if somebody pops free? I don't necessarily know that that there's any more room for any more competition anywhere else. Maybe a veteran outside corner? You think? Maybe. I mean, was right now, what, Yadam's their third guy? Well, I think uh, they, they probably think that they could either throw Holmes out there or Love out there if they wanted to. Or Robinson, right? Or Robinson, Not sure. True. And what about the other kid they drafted later on? Oh, yeah, Rodarius Williams. Rodarius Williams. Yep. No, you're right. I think they probably think that they've got enough young guys with potential I don't know that they'd want to clog that up with, with a, an older fella. No, that's a fair point, too. The other thing, I think, as far as a, a free agent coming in here, it's probably going to be an injury situation. That's something so They're going to have to go and get a veteran that's on the street to, to kind of bring some uh, some depth in and some experience. That's, that's probably – because I think that the Giants have done a tremendous job of building this roster through free agency that they've already done. So there's not a lot left. You know, no, there's, there's I, not I, a lot left in the bucket. I truly believe – that the reconstruction is uh, is complete. Now you just got to go through with the finishing touches, polish up the door handles, add the trim, you know, mm-hmm. take take the razor blade and cut those little pieces of uh, of paint chips that are, that are that are on the door handles and stuff like that. 
the Giants are in really good shape. All right, fellas, that's going to do it for this edition of uh, Big Blue Kickoff Live. Uh, it's part of the Giants Podcast Network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcasts. He is Jay Fiegels on Twitter. I am at GiantsWFAN, and we'll see you next time. And, by the way, no show tomorrow. We are oh. off for Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. Sorry, just John, a, I forgot. Yeah, just as a reminder, and then next week I am off, so our shows will be recorded, and they will get posted up around noontime as we start our opponent previews for 2021. Just wanted to put that out there. Yes, make sure we get those previews out there. we got to start on Monday, I believe. Denver? Well, I'm not going to tell people who it is. got to tune in. I think it's Denver, right, Paul? No, don't tell them. Well, it's in the order of the schedule. It's not a big mystery. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> well, but that just guess, gave it away. <laughs> if a guest drops out, we will change the order. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I just screwed you. Sorry. <laughs> Have a great day, fellas. Everybody you, enjoy. We'll see you again soon.